All right. And everyone's a little loose. Well, welcome this morning. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. And before I start into our message called Devotion, um, I have to um, give a special, um, I have to repent before my Dallas Cowboy fans. Not really, but, but you guys won. You beat the Giants. How come you don't do that worship? Okay, I got your name. I got your number. But I want you to know something. Please do not put so much hope in that. I mean, you know every year I always went out anyway, but you guys do well during the season. You are fantastic, but we'll beat you next time. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Anyway, I want to welcome you guys to Grace Point Church, and you come at a great time. We are doing our Blueprint series, which is taking some time to look at our values. Last week, we talked about diversity. The video that you show, we're going to show that all week because it shows all our leaders um, and what they do here because it's hard with all hustle and bustle to meet everybody. And today, what we're going to talk about, I think the centerpiece of our values is devotion. This is such a piece that if we don't have devotion, we can't do anything else here. Uh, diversity, we recognize we all come from different places, and we celebrate that. How many enjoyed last week, the lunch and everything? Is that amazing or what? Those who put that together, thank you so much. Uh, all the work that was done, we fed a bunch of people, had a great time, met so many new people, and had a great time, especially our young students and everything. But today, we're going to actually go with the second part, too, is devotion. And devotion is one of those words that we look at in the Bible, but sometimes um, we think, well... I don't know what that really means. And in our regular sense, in the regular definition, devotion means this, love or loyalty or enthusiasm for a person or a cause. That word enthusiasm, I love that word. In the Greek, means entheos, means in God. You're so excited about what you're doing. Those who are devoted to something, it's always going to show they're loyal to it. They're always going to show that they're excited about it and they're passionate about it. They recognize as you look about the kingdom of God, we should be passionate believers of Christ. And we, whatever he asks us to do, we would do without question. That's what we're going to unpack today. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Go when the church first was birthed. In that chapter 2, we're going to go to verses 42 and 43. Give you a little backdrop here. In 41, if you read, if you love the book of Acts, chapter 2, after they, Peter gave a great, fantastic sermon, Holy Spirit fell. Things took place. Signs and wonders took place, which pointed them to Jesus and pointed them to salvation. That's why God used them. And then 3,000 people got born again, just like that. Now, what do you do with 3,000 people? Put them to work. Yeah. Okay. You can come up here and preach this. That's my last point. Anyway, but you put them in community. You put them in a system where they can not just be converts, they can be disciples. Okay, so when you go and start in verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask in this moment, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our, our spirit to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See, 3,000 people get saved, and they want, want to say a conversion. They want to become disciples. When I was reading that, looking at this, month, this week's message, last week I opened up with a story about when I first got, really got impacted by going to church overseas and came to a church that no one looked like me and how God just moved radically through my life. And I'm going to give you part two of that. 
Uh, when I said last week, when I, my wife asked me, are we gonna, what are you going to do with the church? And I said, I was going to not go back, but I told him, I'll be back. I went back that night, and pastor gave such an amazing presentation of the gospel. I stood up and said, I'm yours, God, whatever that looks like. And they prayed over me, and next thing I, I got a call the next week from a guy that impacted my life when we'd be standing today without him. His name is Brother Paul Farrell. He was in the Navy. He says, Rich, heard you just gave your life to Christ. I'm going to go ahead and um, um, I want you to come to this class with all the other men. We're going to disciple the men. Because he said, the first thing he said, because God's word is his bond. How many agree with that? And since you created an image of God, your word should be your bond. I'm going to teach, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about how to raise your children, how to love your wife. And the class starts on Tuesday night. Need you to be there. Show up to the first class. He gave us all the rules. He said, what you're going to do? Romans chapter 6, you need to memorize, memorize that. That's going to be the graduation. Romans chapter 6. You're going to memorize that before you graduate in six weeks. And then you have one excused absence. If you, if you miss a class, you will show up and give me the excuse, and we'll, you have to catch up. If you miss a sec two times or the second time, there's no excuse for that. So guess what? You bounce from the program. So in the midst of that, he was always available for us to talk to and ask questions and all that. And basically, I would call him up. I said, what is this in the Bible? What is going on, Paul? I call him up, and he said, Rich, you got to get wisdom, and you got to get understanding. I said, I know, Paul, that's why I called you. He said, no, Rich, go to the back of your Bible, whatever the word is. Look up that word in the back of your Bible. Then look at the scriptures of that word, and then we'll talk. That's how you get wisdom and understanding. What he was teaching me, one, how to be devoted to one thing. Two, how to be a disciple. Discipline. Disciple, you look at the word discipline. He was teaching me how to be disciplined in my faith. He was teaching me to be devoted to the word because he never gave me the answers. He always said, we'll agree on what the Bible says, but if you don't know what the Bible says, we can't agree. I thought, I said, that is mean. But I look at him now, I'm standing here today. He taught me about devotion to the kingdom of God and devotion to his word and who Jesus is. Now, I couldn't have a discipleship class today because half of you would leave. I said, after the second time, you are not coming in. You'll say, he's mean. But, you know, we do that with our children. We had to teach them discipline. And when your words, your bond say, I'm going to show up, do it. So I learned from the bottom end, from the bottom end. So when you look at this, this is what's going on with these crew. 3,000 people, converts. What do you do? Put them in a community. What do you do? Build a system for them to become disciples not just converts. Talking about Jesus Christ. Talking about the church of, Jesus, of Grace Point Church. We're not into converts. We're into disciples. When you look at it, first thing you do, you see the word devoted means to persist, to persevere in, continue steadfast in. It really indicates an action that's continual and habitual. Continual and habitual. That means when you start it, you won't quit. Just that quick. And when they went in there, you see the very first thing they did, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the first point. If you look at they were learning the power and authority of Jesus. 
learning the power and the authority of Jesus. When you read the book of Acts, you see a group of people, nothing got in their way. Nothing, sickness didn't get in their way. Disappointment didn't get in their way. Nothing got, because they said, I'm walking and living through the power and authority of Jesus Christ. In his name, you are saved. His name, you are healed. In his name. That's amazing. And we forget today that we have power and authority of Christ. Next week's message is discipleship. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go therefore. So if I'm walking in the authority of Christ, should I start walking like it? Is it time for the church to start walking like it? How about walking over it? Is walking under it your identity? Think about it. Learning the power and authority of Jesus says in his name, in his name. And we know the end of that, of that sermon part in, in, in Philippians chapter 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Well, that should be the day. If I'm walking in Christ, sickness has no place in me. It's not, it's not legal. It's not right. When we had our engaged spirit, someone came with a back problem. We prayed for him. It was healed. Forget those days. But they were learning. You will get, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So if I've overcome the world, you're better than an overcomer. If I conquered death, you are more than a conqueror. Now, how do you become more than a conqueror? Let me tell you about more than a conqueror. You do nothing and you win. I'm a conqueror by association. I didn't have to work hard for it. Come on, somebody. So when they're learning the power, they're learning the power and authority of Jesus. Because their focus was on redemption aspects, aspects of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then one thing about they were longing to know and they were longing to grow. You know when you first gave your life to Jesus, you just not, couldn't get enough of the Bible? You couldn't get enough to church. Couldn't get enough of what you were doing. Remember those days? That should never end. You should always desire to grow, to know more and to grow more. I love the scripture. 1 Peter 2, 2 says this. Like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now, when I was a young believer, it was milk I was drinking. I was drinking a lot of milk. And then when, before we graduate from that class, um, Brother Paul was making us eat meat. Because I like meat. I live in Texas. Angus beef. Come on. One hand clap. All a bunch of vegetarians here. <laughs> it is. Eating meat. What are you eating today? Devotion is I get up every morning and I get in this Bible. Now, when I called Paul and I had a question, Paul sent me back to the Bible. He said, Rich, get wisdom and understanding. I said, Paul, I am, but I'm not your answer man. Jesus is. Come on, somebody. Let's be real. If you have some noises in your house or my house or my son is sick, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay hands on him. And believe Jesus for him. 
Come on, somebody. Don't call me. That's my new answer. Get wisdom and get understanding. Get in your Bible and call me, then we'll discuss it. Right, half of you wouldn't come back, right? Because we're kind of gentler Jesus now, aren't we? We want to be disciples. I don't know about you. I don't want to live a life always, always thinking I'll never make it. I, 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 live, I used to work with some people, and that was their identity. And they would not read what they said. They wouldn't read Ephesians chapter 2 when it says, I was dead and I was doomed, but, but God, but God raised me up by the mercy of God, raised me up and seated me in heavenly places, right hand of God with him. That's why I'm seated with him. That means I have a new identity. They said who I was back then, but Christ says who I am right now. And I tell you what, it's amazing when you get that revelation. But I know one thing. Won't we want to walk in the power and authority of God for our nation? Or do we want TED Talks? Paul says, I don't know anything about Jesus except him crucified. And I don't want you to fall in love with me. I want you to fall in love with the power of God, the wisdom of God, not my wisdom. Come on, somebody. Don't you feel that? Feel like there's something more I can do to impact this world? Second one is, I love this one. Fellowship of the church. They start getting together every now. They use a Jewish uh, lifestyle, they will get together every day here, like once a week. You say, come to life group, come to church on Sunday. Uh, fellowship, which means the word koinonia in the Greek, means an intimate post, uh, partnership, community, a fellowship in the spirit, basically. And what it was, it was all about a Christian experience. It was about fellowship with God, our vertical relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It was relegated, which took that place and had me a better fellowship in my, with people. Now, when they got together, they were celebrating. I mean, when you have your relationship, it's with God. And when you, in those days, when you ask a young, a young Jew about their life, how are you doing today? They will tell you, give you one answer, their relationship with God and their relationship with people. Because they knew if someone did not, um, if they didn't enjoy one another, had nothing to do with the person, it's about their life in Christ. If someone can't love you, it's not about the person, it's just they don't know Jesus. Make sense? So it was a vertical love was so important to the horizontal love. And it was life in the spirit. You ever come together, come here on Sunday sometime, you're like, oh, I have nothing left. And then worship gets going and then, right? And you go to lunch, great, oh yeah. And come Monday, smack. But you read your Bible and you smack back. That's what it is, the intimate fellowship and the serve. Now, if you look at our nation today, I love Walmart. I look at Walmart all the time. They're models of growing and building. Walmart's amazing because what they do basically is this. They have these rallies when they're doing business, quarterly rallies. They all get together in this stadium, and they're celebrating. They're having such a great time in a secular environment. They were trying to recreate church 
in a secular environment. But there's no life because there's no spirit. It's just me and you, but there's no him. See, like, we, we have it. We, let me kind of say, we have coined the market on encouraging one another. And everyone, everyone um, kind of mirrors us. Remember when you come to church late? Now, if you get paid, <laughs> see the difference? I smile because it's Christ. Helps me get paid. Fellowship of the church. First John 1 John 1.3 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with who? The Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is with them, so our fellowship can be with you. Isn't that amazing? And that's what he put them in. And they were a group of people, their own culture. And that's today, guys. That's today. It's not 2,000 years. It's today. It's what God desires for each and every one of us. We will never grow to the level of Christ apart from other people. Unless you read the right person that's going to push you the wrong way, which is going to ignite something in you that you didn't know you had. We try to do everything in isolate. You die isolated. In community, you grow. You thrive. Why? Because you're rich with friendships. You're rich with people who really love you because God teaches them how to do it right. Come on, somebody. Next thing I did, and what the people do, and here's what you got to do. Let me give you a hint. Write this down if you're taking notes. You must choose relationship over relief. You ever have a friend that the only time they call you is when they need something? How do you feel when they do that? How about when you just go to God when everything's falling apart and you just want relief and then you go back to what you're doing? Life's good, so two or three weeks, I could take three weeks off. Versus the relationship that's ongoing all the time. Come on. So when you have relationship over relief, that leads you to the last things they had. They went to what they did. They were breaking bread together. Now, breaking bread, I love eating. Man, that's one thing. God, I'm so happy I'm going to eat something. I love eating. I love steak. I love meat. I love all that. Brisket, all that stuff, right? But they would have meals together like we did last week. And what they would do, they would celebrate the communion with one another on a meal. Then they would stop after the meal, they would have communion together and they would celebrate the communion with Christ. They're celebrating each other and they're celebrating Christ at his table. That is amazing. But they're in this every day, more than once a week and they're breaking the bread. And it led to the last thing here. Types of prayers. It says prayer, the prayers, which means it's, it's a plural on that. First, I had to learn individual and corporate prayer. I love what Ian Bounds says. If you don't know how to pray um, individually, you won't, know how to, you won't even pray corporately. 
wonder why all the, you know, I always wonder, how come all the, the lowest meeting that people attend is the prayer meeting? Because it isn't about the pastor, it's about Jesus. You miss the prayer meeting, but you're going to call us when life's falling apart. It's okay. It's not, I'm just saying. This is me too. I used to do that too. You should put prayer. Because ah, when I don't pray, I'm giving myself, I'm saying it to myself, oh, man, you're fantastic. When I pray, I'm saying, I'm nothing. God is everything. Make sense? And then types of prayer. You know, thanks, prayer of thanksgiving. How many love that prayer? How many know what it is? I figured that. Pay of praise. Now, how do you pray? pray how do you pray praise? Someone, I'm going to ask a question. How many love praise music? How many love the music this morning? Author of my life. How many sung this song? I, I can tell. I didn't hear no one behind me. In the words of God, you're praising. You're praying. He's the author of my life. He designed me, right? Next thing is uh, petition, confession, and then there's intercession. They learn all that in community. Apart from that, we can't learn anything. And when all that was taking place, learning the power and authority of Jesus, fellowship of the church, breaking of bread and the types of prayer, 43 happened. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Ah, oh, you know, I'm always, though I've been walking with God over 20-something years, he's always amazes me on what he does and how he does it. And all came, and they were like, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then God said, let me confirm my work through the signs and wonders. Now, when I went to school, because this is a big subject about everyone gets a little, um, they get a little tension. There's tension when you preach on signs and wonders because, you know, you hear, well, they all faded away. And um, then that was just for the apostle, apostolic age. And I, I don't know, the Bible never says apostolic age. And since God's word is his bond, I don't, why would he lie? That's, well, Rich, I just put that in there for a footnote. Really? That, that, no, I hope not. Anyway, what he's talking about, and when my instructor taught me how to teach this, he said this, Rich, is this way. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the key word is through. Through. He said this, Jesus Christ in the, in the book of Acts, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. Through the apostles. What does that mean? I'm a channel of God. I am not the deliverance minister. I am a channel for whatever he puts in me so I can give out. Come on, somebody. That's why I'm a channel. Like if you have a cold and you're sick and you cough on somebody, you give that out. Whatever's in you, it's going to come out. So if, if I'm studying the word and I'm in prayer and I'm in community, it comes through out. So when someone wants to get healed, it comes through me, I'm a channel. Now, if I'm a dam, I'm going to explode. Because I can read devotionals all day and still do nothing. I, I'm good, bro. I've read my devotional. You're not doing anything. You've got to be a channel. Well, I'm just not. Who told you that? 
That's another excuse. I'm a channel working through me. That's why we can walk in the authority of Christ. It's not me. It's him. When I'm in communion with him, he's channeling through. Signs and wonders. And you see about the signs and wonders like I talked in the book of Acts chapter 2. The signs and wonders authenticate the gospel. It authenticates the gospel. Because you see in Mark, it says this. And these signs will accompany those who what? In my name. They, in my name. Whose name? In the name of Jesus. Not even my, I can't even take credit for it. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. This happened to Paul in Acts chapter 27, I believe. That doesn't mean that you go pick up serpents now. Don't do that, okay? We don't do that here. We used to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay? And they, they will drink. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will what? They not, might not recover. They will what? When we had our engaged spirit that night, we laid hands on a lady. Her back, was, she, her back was messed up. Immediately she was healed. The Holy Spirit healed her. Jesus healed her. According to his name, not my name. According, now, when we see that, we say, I have something to do to expand the kingdom of God. No excuses. I don't have a good speech. I never did. I'm a New Yorker in Texas. I never will. But we all can agree when they said, fellas, they came, I come together for our commonality. We all have one thing in common. We have Christ the Lord, Christ the King, Christ our Savior, Christ who lifted us up and put us with him in heavenly places. I love that. The world we live in today, Elijah had to deal with this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 21. He said this. You know the story. The children of Israel kept having, playing with Baal worship, and they wouldn't worship. They were trying to do this and do that. He came down, the big test, had the guys out here, Call down your God. The guys are calling, Bell, help us. Bell, help us. Bell did nothing. Bell, help us. Bell did nothing. He said, maybe he's on the toilet. So he comes back. He said, I'm not only going to do that. I'm in the middle of a drought. I'm going to pour water on the sacrifice. I'm going to pour the water that you need. And I'm going to call on my God. My God shows up. The only one that will show up, shows up, takes the sacrifice, takes up the water. And then he had this question. He said this. Elijah, come near all. Elijah said, come near to all, to all people. And said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If, if the Lord is God, follow him. If, if it's Baal, follow him. But here was the response from the people. But the people did not answer him a word. Reason I say that because Baal represents the world. God represents the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, guys: the time will come when they will make opposing demands on your life. All the things that we think are good, but they're not God, is opposing the God in your life. And you see it today. 
It plays out today. How long are you going to deal with bail? Political. Hey, you're a Democrat. You're a Republican. Help us. Help us. Help us. They can't help you. They can't hear you. God, save our nation. Save our president. Save the senators. Save the congressmen. Save them, Lord. Only you can do that. How long are we going to dance between two things? The good things. Can you do a life group? I'm too busy. Can you serve? Uh, it's kind of hard when we have a God who devoted his whole life to die on the cross for us. He asks you for one hour of a day, of a week. Now, if you don't go to a small group or a life group, you're just getting 10% of what God has for you. Paul Farrell was all in my grill all the time. He said, you're selfish? See, I know. You, you, you need to learn how to raise your kids? You're not doing well? I know. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to do it. Matthew 6, 24 says this. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can I tell you what the money means? Mammon, worldly. Can't do that. You know where we are in life today? All the gray area has been taken away. It's either you and God or you and the world. This is not cute anymore. Come on, somebody. Two opinions. Save us, government. Save us. Oh, the one who created the government. I need to talk to him. So I'll stand. Go worship God. Remember this part here as we close. About the great exchange. We deserved not to be here. We deserved all the sin that Jesus took on the cross. I, have, I, I praise God because he, the great exchange happened. I was able to exchange my old life and take on a new life. And now there's a new commitment. There's a new fervor in my spirit to do things for God, not things for man. Where are you? What opinion are you dancing on? Whose opinion you've been listening to? I pray as we sing this song, The Great Exchange, you have one opinion when you leave here. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is and you want to give your life to him, you do that today. There's no such thing as a fence. Either you are or you're not which can be a hard message, but that's how God made it simple. Either I'm not, I am or I'm not. And what everything he's done for me. Amen? Let's worship God.